Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. We flew through hour number one. Here we go with hour number two of Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Demond Cotton behind the wheels of steel. Your boy Q taking your calls, taking your texts. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword r Of course, the Raider Nation listener line is 702-365-9200. The question that we threw out there to you today is, what is the biggest question you have about this team as it stands right now? And I'll tell you right now, you want to talk about a ton of response on the text line. We have a ton of response on the text line. Big Dub Raider says, my biggest question right now is why isn't the defense generating more turnovers? That simple. Why isn't the defense generating more turnovers? That's something we've been talking about for seasons, on top of seasons, on top of seasons. Last year, we remember as far as interceptions go, six as a total for the team. That can't happen. They've got to create turnovers. And Meek Robertson came up with a nice interception on Sunday against the Cardinals. You know, they've got to do more than that. Interceptions, strip sacks, you know, they had uh, against the Chargers, they, they uh, you know, on the fourth down, they stopped them. That's a turnover. But it's just the fact that I can remember all of them lets you know there's not enough of them, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. If I can remember every play that happened, then there hasn't been enough of the plays. That's the biggest. That's a great question right there. And that's something that Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, and the rest of the defensive side of the ball have to figure out how to get extra possessions for the offense. How do you steal a couple possessions? Well, you create some turnovers. Right? Week one, there's no reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Bengals except for the fact that Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's the reality of it. They turned the ball over five times. And so they end up eventually winning. I mean, hell, go back to the Raider game. Raiders and Chargers. Derek Carr turned the ball over three times. Right? And, and, and the Raiders were still in it at the end. That's the difference in winning games. You got to create turnovers. If the ball's there... And Jonathan Abram, and this is not a shot at him at all because it was a hell of a play, he almost, I feel like I said a lot, almost came up with an interception late in that game, right around the goal line. He got one hand on it, wasn't able to get two hands on it. Jayon Brown, he almost got an interception at the goal line as well on the fourth down. It was tipped. The ball was in the air. Jayon Brown dove for it, didn't come up with it. It's a game of inches. It's a game of inches. Those turnovers right there, guess what that would have done? Ended the game. Would have been a wrap. Raiders would be 1-1 one one right now. Uh, one more text. My biggest question is McDaniels. He's won seven Super Bowls as an assistant. Can he be a leader of his own without Bill? He hasn't done it yet with the Broncos or Raiders after two games. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to make this a, a, a McDaniels bash party or anyone else bash party. I mean, I'm not here for that. But that's a valid question. It's a very valid question. It's one thing to be a really good coordinator. I've said this for years with plenty of coordinators. There's, there's, there's really good coordinators across the NFL that have all of a sudden gotten their opportunity to be a, a head coach and it hasn't worked out. I'm not saying that's the case with McDaniels. I'm just saying the, the past has shown that. Norv Turner is a guy that, that comes to my mind. Great offensive mind. Terrible head coach. Right? Uh, Rod Marinelli. Really good offensive line coach. Terrible, uh, uh, terrible uh, uh, head coach. No, he was a defensive, defensive line coach, sorry. But yeah, you know, you get what I'm saying. He was a really good coordinator, but not a good head coach. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. There's, there's plenty of those guys across the league that you'll see that are great at their certain position, but they're not great when it comes to being the head man because it's a different ball game. Again, not saying that that's the case with Josh McDaniels because someone's going to quote me and be like, you said that Josh McDaniels is a terrible head coach. Didn't say that. 
just said that there is coordinators and then there's head coaches. And it's not always easy to be that guy, be a great offensive coordinator or a great defensive coordinator, a great coordinator, period, and then turn into a great head coach as well. It's a different ballgame. It's just tough. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to San Antonio. Talk to my guy, Peg Leg Raider. What's on your mind, my man? What up, Q? What up, Demond? Chilling, man. So, first of all, I got to give Demond a huge shout-out for having my back yesterday. Thanks for replaying that clip and, and verifying my count. <laughs> he got no problem, you. man. <laughs> Uh, but so funny story. We have a new guy in the office. He showed up on Monday, um, walked by to introduce himself, saw my Raiders pal. We started chatting. He's from Indy. He grew up a Raiders fan. Uh, we started talking about the Philly game, and this ties into today's question. So both of us came to the consensus when the fourth quarter started, and we were up by, what, 20 or 17 or whatever it was at that point. I was more nervous then than if we were down by 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I have felt like that for the last nine years. Again, dude, I just met Raiders fan from Indy feels the exact same way. So my question is, when are we as fans going to be comfortable going into the fourth quarter with a lead that we actually can hold it and win instead of, oh, we're only down a touchdown or 10 points. D.C. can come back and win this, and we have no issues. I almost feel like... If we have a lead, we get comfortable and just stop playing. However, if, if we're down, we throw everything we have at our opponent, and we are scrappy and we can find ways to win. I just don't know why we can't do it when we get up. Hey, great call. Great call, and it's great to hear from you, my man. And, and that's a good question, right? And, and I felt like that going into – at least going into the third quarter with the Raiders up 20 points at halftime, I thought, okay – all they got to do is keep playing the way that they're playing. They're going to win this game. I mean, I, I felt very comfortable with texting a couple of people at halftime saying, yeah, it's a dub. It's a dub. No doubt. And I, I felt like going into that game, as they were five-and-a-half-point favorites, I felt like they were going to win by double digits. And I looked like a genius because they were up by 20. So I thought, okay, cool. At the end of the day, they're going to win by at least 10, right? And I'm going to look like I'm smart. And every Cardinals insider that we had on had the Raiders winning as well. Right. It wasn't just us being the Home team radio station. Right. Everyone said, hey, man, I don't know how the Cardinals are going to pull this off. They would need, like, not a miraculous comeback or something, but the chances of them winning were looking slim man, from everyone's account. I did a radio hit on a station in Arizona. I got my hair cut on Saturday, as I do each and every Saturday. I got my hair cut. As soon as I left the shop, they called me, and we were talking about this game, and uh, the Cardinals and Raiders game. And they at the end of the interview, they said, all right, what do you think is the final score? And I won. I hate doing predictions on scores because I just don't know. So I gave them the same thing I just told you. Well, I feel comfortable that they're going to win by 10. And they laughed, and I thought that they were going to be like, there's no way they're going to win by 10. They said, that's it? They laughed and said, that's it? You only think they're going to win by 10? I was like, well, damn, I didn't want to sound disrespectful, right? I didn't want to go in, well, they're going to blow you the hell out, right? I mean, I didn't want to be that guy. But they really laughed at me thinking, they're only going to win by 10? Oh, you've you've really underestimated what they're going to do. Well, they end up taking a L. You know, couldn't finish the game. You know, we had Bryce Butler on. We had Lincoln Kennedy on. We had guys that have been in that locker room, not that locker room, but been in locker rooms, you know, with leads. you got to finish. That's what the Raiders didn't do. They didn't finish. Great call, Peg Leg. Thanks for, uh, for, for hitting us up. I do appreciate you. Uh, how about Jared right here in the 702? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Just kidding. He's gone. All right. That's cool. How about, how about Fargo Raiders? Is he up next? Fargo. Hey, Kian DeMond. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, DeMond, I saw you last weekend at Resorts World when uh, Roman Reigns Triple H were right there. 
I'm sitting at one of the tables. I just didn't want to bother you because you were doing the press thing. Oh, man, you definitely should have came over. I know why I seen you ducking out, but I was deep in conversation with uh, Raider Bookie and um, Raider Duke from uh, Twitter. We had finally gotten to meet up right there. What day was this? uh, Raider Duke to the game on on, uh, Saturday before the game. Okay. All right, just making sure. Yeah, I, I thought I would have ran into you in one of the one of the blackout parties at the R and R thing. That I missed you guys this time. Saturday was a busy day, brother. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it happens. But getting back to the question of the day right now, my my concern is uh, when are we going to see this um, this this these adjustments that we've been told this whole time that he was so great at. You know that we were going to adjust and. And, you know, be able to change from quarter to quarter even if we needed to. I haven't seen change even from what we were doing last year before Gruden got, you know, assassinated from the team. They were, the, the plays were predictable after we had the lead. I mean, I was in the stands, and I know Dane called in in the morning and said the same thing. And I could call the plays if they were going to call, looking at the formation and seeing the score. What do you think the guy who gets paid? you know, a good amount of money on the other sideline to figure that out. Uh, you know, and like Pegler said, frankly, I'm tired of, of of fourth quarter, you know, clutching my pearls basically, waiting for something to happen. And when are we going to win by a wide margin? When are we going to, when are we going to be the bullies of the league, the villains that we used to be? When is that Raider mystique going to be back? So my concern is, when are we going to see those adjustments? When's our screen game going to be deadly for us? And like, and like you guys are mentioning, uh, Jacobs has been running the rock good. So running, why no play action? We could we could burn people nasty if we went back to nickel and dining. I don't need to be proven that we can throw 60-yard bombs on the regular. I need wins in the columns. I need I need to be in the fourth quarter comfortable, you know, eating my food without eating my damn food for once. I can't even eat watching the game because I, I feel like I choke on whatever I'm eating when the next time they fumble a ball or or let some two point conversion go in. They need to get it together. I always have faith in my in my team, and I love the Raiders. But I'm gonna go back to how we always end up after a couple weeks. Lately, luckily, we've had good starts. But before that, I always remember, we started out hella hype. And then before you know it, everybody's like, all right, let's be realistic. This is what we can do now. Let's hope that they get it together. Thank you guys for taking my call. You have a great day. I appreciate you, my man. There's a lot to uh, unpack there. And uh, I think bottom line is that they just want to – you want to see a comfortable win. And I think that it's been a while since the Raiders have had a real comfortable win where it's like, yeah, you can sit back, relax, and realize that all you have to do for the fourth quarter is watch the clock go. Right, I think it's been quite a while since that's happened. So I think a lot of Raider Nation wants to see that again. The Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R, asking the question, what is the biggest question you have about this team as it stands right now? And remember, I think that's the key part of it, as it stands right now. How about Sir Whiskey Ray? He said, Q&D, hello, gentlemen, love this topic today. A question that I have on our Raiders is, why aren't we playing a full four quarters of football? P.S. I can't trust him on this week because we're playing his Titans. P.S. Countdown to Vegas bachelor bachelor party in 30 hours. That's Sir Whiskey Ray. And yeah, you can't trust him on. 
DeMond might be a uh, he might be one of those he might be a planted mole for the game. <laughs> he might be trying to get some inside stuff. I don't know. No, just kidding. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. Playing a four quarter game and that's something that Vinny Bonsignor asked Devontae Adams about. But for the two games, he said, "Well, you know, if you take the two quarters from the Charger game and two quarters from the Car- Cardinals game, uh, the total is like thirty nine to six, and the Raiders, you know, would win." And Devontae Adams said, yeah, but that's not how the game is played. Like, you can't you can't piece quarters together, right? And so the point is, and it's a great point by Vinny. I know what he's trying to say is, you know, two good quarters here, two good quarters there. How come there can't be four good quarters total, right? How come you can't play a co- complete game? And that's what it takes. And that was Devontae's point. You have to play a complete game. You have to go out there for every snap that you're out there. You have to go out there and play to its, you know, to its fullest. You have to play at the highest level. And that's why I could appreciate, and that's why we talked about it in great detail yesterday, what Devontae Adams had to say about everyone buying in and playing every play like it's the, it's the season. Because you have to. Because one play can change a game. Again, one missed interception here. One missed interception there. One let Kyler Murray escape here or Kyler Murray escape there changes the ball game. It absolutely does. One kick out of bounds. That, that gets you at the 40-yard line. And I, I hate to keep harping on that, but that's something that happened week one. It shouldn't happen. Should never happen. You should not ever kick the ball out of bounds if you're not trying to. You should have enough control. I see these guys in practice. I see them kicking from all kinds of angles and trying to get it between the goalposts. And these dudes are like pinpoint. You should have some kind of control where you can at least keep it in the lines. It's like it's like it's like coloring, right? You know how they say stay in the lines? Don't color outside the lines. Just stay in the boundary. That's all you gotta do is make sure you stay in bounds. That's it. You're giving up field position if you kick it out of bounds. That was a mistake that Carlson made on on uh, you know the first game against the Chargers. So that's a good one, Sir Whiskey Ray. Thanks so much for that. East Bay Raider Gray said, my biggest question is with the coaching staff and the decision with the offensive line. Why didn't they give these guys time to build continuity? We see it play after play, a lack of continuity on the offensive line. Inconsistency. Second play of the game displayed a lack of communication and trust between Illuminor and Cotton. Parham is a great upside, but is better suited at, at this point at right guard. Too much unsettledness on the offensive line against East Bay Raider Gray. And you're preaching to the choir, homeboy. <laughs> I mean, simple as that. How many times have we talked about it on the show? And I've asked Lincoln Kennedy, and, and DeMond's asked Lincoln Kennedy. At some point, there's one position group on the team, on a football team, that has to be on the same page. It's the offensive line. They have to. I mean, and, and that's why I've had people suggest, oh, they're just going to have, a, they're going to rotate offensive linemen so they're all fresh throughout the course of the game. That's impossible. You cannot do that with the offensive line. The left hand has to know what the right hand's doing. It just has to. It, it, the offensive line cannot act like the California Department of Child Support, where the right hand does not know what the left hand is doing. And trust me, as a guy who went through the California Department of Child Support, ain't nobody in that building have a clue what's going on. And you could be sitting right next to somebody. Hey, Mr. Myers, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, but the person next to you is not talking to me too. Oh, no, 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 we don't know. They don't have any idea. They have no clue. They have to be on the same page. I know somebody appreciates that besides me, but it's oh, all good. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to say if you don't have seven, you don't have five, like Greeny said, but nothing's being that. No, no, nothing's being that because it's truth. It's truth. It's facts. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, guys. Hey, my question is when or are we going to see this unit's gel? You know, going back to the last regime, you know, I know Gruden or we can talk well, we can talk about the defense or whatever or the offense, but, you know, the translation from the preseason into the regular season, we saw that what we saw from Gus Bradley from the preseason all the way into the, deep, into the regular season type of defense. 
you know, attack, 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 and try to get you back. Yeah, obviously they didn't get the takeaways we wanted, but now you have, you know, a totally different scheme coming in from Graham where they talk about takeaways. So, we, you know, we got to look at the, the, the trade-off. We're not seeing the sacks. We're definitely not seeing the sacks. So where are we getting the takeaways? We got one. Okay, well, that doesn't translate to, to equaling off. You know, we're going to have to have both or one really heavy. We're not getting that. Also, where are we seeing this? Well, we, we thought we were coming in with an offense that was going to be error-free and explosive or dissecting, going in there and just making all these adjustments and making plays and just tearing, you know, the minds and blowing up the minds of the defensive coordinators. We're not seeing any of that. So my question is, when is that going to click? Or are is it, or is it going to click this season? All different players that they're bringing in, and they're trying to translate that into a different, you know, different group of, of people. Yeah, there is some new free agents and some new additions. But there are some other ones. Are they going to be pliable enough to make it to make it work? There it is. Hey, great, great stuff, Raider X. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of questions with the offense. I think that the offense is going to be fine. I really do. Uh, but it's easy for me to say that, right? I'm standing here behind a microphone. I'm not out there in the trenches. But I I do feel like they're going to be just fine. I think that they have the weapons that are going to get it done. I believe Josh McDaniels is going to press the right buttons. I believe it's going to click for Derek Carr and the company. But again, until we see it, these are all valid questions. And you see glimpses of it, but you don't see consistent. And, and look, that C word, that C word, we, went, we, we talked about that all summer long. We, we said that a coach rather see you be a consistent seven than be a 10 one day and a three the next, right? What are you consistently? Who are you consistently? So when you're looking at the Raiders offense, who are you going to be consistently? Are you going to be eh, average? Are you going to be great? Are you going to be bad? Because I think we've seen all of it. Right, we seen in, in in the first half of the Raiders against the Cardinals, we saw them have great moments. We seen them have bad moments, right? And then we saw against the Chargers, saw them get off to a slow start. We've seen it all. I've seen good, great, and ugly. So who are you? It goes back to identity as well. Who are you consistently? Is who you are. If I consistently put out a so-so show, guess what? I'm a so-so radio guy. <laughs> Simple as that. If I have a bad show here and there, we're all out those, right? It happens every once in a while. But if I consistently am putting out something that's piss poor, guess what? I'm piss poor at my job. It's as simple as that. 702-365-9200. Steve and Callie, you're up next. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Hello? Steve? Yep. What up, Doc? Hey, what's going on, boys? How you doing? Chilling, man. Good, good. Hey, so my question kind of is the same as everybody else's question. Excuse the noise real quick while I walk out of my job. Uh, same question is, when is this franchise going to figure it out? Because it seems like year after year there's this hope, and we're always, we're always moving in the right direction, right? The owners are telling us all this stuff, new coaches coming in. We're always hearing this is the next thing. We're going to get it all figured out. And they feed us this hope, and then we come out, and it's just, a 20-point lead blown at halftime, like, that can't happen. If we're trying to move in the right direction, how are we ever going to move on? So I'm just – I'm probably just as lost as you guys are and everybody else is. This last loss, I've been a Raider fan for my whole life, and I can't remember outside of that Super Bowl, I can't remember a loss that was just, like, so deflating and so put a damper on the season. You know, it's just – it's just crazy because we all want to believe and, you know, we all we, we make all the right signings. We re-sign all of our core guys. You know, we have Chandler Jones coming in, which is another good question. Where the hell is Chandler Jones been? 
it's just, man, I got, I got a lot of questions. The biggest question is, I guess, when is this franchise just going to figure it out? And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you guys can help me figure out what, what needs to change with this franchise to get the ball rolling in the right direction finally. You know, it seems like we have all the right pieces. The coach, he's a question mark. We've already seen he has kind of a rough, a rough history with being a head coach. And, you know, he says all the right things, but, man, I'm just not seeing it. And I don't know. I'd, I'm a lost soul like everybody else in the nation, it feels like. Great call, man. Great call, Steve. I appreciate you, man. I didn't mean to get you out of your job for the day, but uh, do, I do appreciate you calling in. And, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that uh, Mark Davis, it goes back to the conversation that we had with Coach Becky Hammond to start the show. I think Mark Davis is willing to do anything it takes to put his team in the right position to win. I think he's proven that. Regardless if, you know, it's worked out, I think he's put his money where his mouth is at. He's he's given every regime that he's had under his watch the opportunity to get it done. Have they got it done? No, not necessarily. But he's gone out. He hasn't just said, well, I got to stick to this way. I'm not going to be cookie cutter. I'm not going to take control because that's not my thing. I'm going to hire the right people, put them in the right place, and let them go. So I got to give him a lot of credit. He's trying to get this organization where they need to be. And obviously he wants to hoist the Lombardi just like the Aces just hoisted their trophy. He wants to do that as well. So I think that the goal, obviously, is to have the organization be where it needs to be, have the front office where it needs to be, brought in a new president, have the, the, the business side of things where it needs to be, have the coaching staff where it needs to be. Everything is there. They, it's up to them now. It's like, it's like, what do they say? My mom used to tell me you could lead a, a, a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I mean, that's, that's it. You can show them and give them all the tools and say, hey, there it is. I know you're thirsty. Go ahead and take a drink. But if, if, if the person or people refuse to go ahead and handle it, you can't do it. Got a couple texts real quick. Yes, Q. California child support is a, is a joke. Another one from Big Deuce. Thank you, Q. It's a damn truth. I was a victim of California Department of Child Support. I knew. I knew I had some support there. If I had time, I would tell you the worst story ever about that place. But I don't have time. So I'm not going to. I might later on the show. Probably not today, but still, I might. All day, Raider A's got a quick uh, text as well. My quick question is, when do we stop having to adjust to what every team is doing and begin to impose our will and stay a step ahead of other teams and make them have to adjust to us? I mean, even the child support office imposes their will. (laughs) That's going to be the joke that's never going to die. It's never going to die. I'm going to get a call, too, and they'll be like, uh, Q, and I'll be like, nah, man, I'm done with that. Been there, done that. I'm been done with that, brother. I did have someone call me one day. I was sitting at the Raider facility. No joke. Me and Eddie Pascal was on. Uh, it was when the, uh, the the schedule came out, the schedule release, and and me and Eddie were sitting there, and we were talking about we were going to do a show together. And you know how your phone has like caller ID now. I looked at my phone. It was ringing. It said uh, California Department of Child Support. And I said, Oh no, my brother, you got the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> no sir. <laughs> Didn't even pick up, huh? No hell no. Nah. <laughs> Nope, I know I'm way over that, man. <laughs> I paid my dues and then some. And big news, Deuce knows what I mean by and then some. You could pay all your years. I knew I was going to go down this avenue. You could pay everything you're supposed to pay and then some. And then all of a sudden they're going to hit you back later and be like, oh, and by the way. Like, wait, hold on. What, what do you mean? What do you mean I still owe you money? They got me. I didn't mean to go here, but I'm going. They got me when I was still in Texas, right? They had, for some reason... It took forever. I had to pay all these fees so I can get my license free, right? Which was already should have been. I had my Texas ID, my Texas driver's license. Everything was good. When I decided that I was going to renew, and this is 10 years later. I've had my Texas ID for 10 years or my Texas driver's license for 10 years, right? I decided I was going to renew it again. 
before I moved here. And all of a sudden, at the, in, in the DMV, they're like, oh, wait, you have a suspended license in California. I was like, how? I haven't been there for 10 years. How do I have a suspended license? Oh, they say you have a fee. I said, how? I haven't been there for 10 years. So I called them, and the lady's like, I don't have any idea how this has happened. I was like, yeah, I don't either. But guess what? They still charge me the fee. And they, she said, I don't have any idea how this is even possible, but we're still going to charge you. And so I instead of, instead of arguing and fighting, I was like, okay, look. How much is it? So it was like $85. It wasn't even a lot of money. But I was like, okay, look, I'm going to give you 90 just so this never happens. She's like, no, you just have to pay 85 No, no, no. I insist. I'll pay you five more extra dollars just in case you find another fee. So here's $90. Release my license that I haven't had for 10 years in Cali, obviously. And let me renew my license here. And they're like, okay, Mr. Myers, no problem. 10 years, dog. 10 years they still can't get right. All right. Now that I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Go just ahead. got another. Just got another text in. They act like the mafia. <laughs> Don't keep feeding it to me. If you keep feeding them to me, the fire is gonna keep burning. Yeah, we gotta get the tent. So uh, yeah, let's go to break. Three twenty-five is the time. Didn't mean to get on my California child support uh, stories, but I did. Ted Wynn is coming up next. He's he's from the athletic. He's not from the child support department. He's gonna join us to talk all things Raiders offensive line. It's Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. We're sitting at zero and two. We got some games coming up that's winnable. We got the Titans. We got the Broncos at home. Then we go to Kansas City, a team that we've beaten before. But the tight, but the, the Chiefs are on a roll. I just look at this and say to myself, I think right now it's zero because of where the division stacks up at. I don't think the Broncos are great. In the Chargers, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen with Justin Herbert and those barbecue ribs. So it's zero for me. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Keyshawn Johnson from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN talking this morning about his uh, level of concern when it comes to where the Raiders are right now sitting at 0-2, and every other team in the division has a win. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Joined on the phone lines now by our good friend from The Athletic, Ted Wynn. And Ted, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. And I saw your tweet and your little breakdown that you did on uh, Dylan Parham when he was playing center for the Raiders last week against the Cardinals. And there was a lot of things that you pointed out that I thought were really intriguing. So I wanted to have you on to talk about it. And one of the things that stood out to me the most was when you said he's providing physicality that the Raiders haven't had in a while. Uh, where, what a... I don't know how to I don't know how to say it correctly. Where are you seeing, you know, the 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 lack of physicality? Like where do, did the lack of physicality come from before? If, if that makes sense. I, I think, you know, even in Hudson's last year um with with the Raiders, uh he, he was still a solid pass detector. He still would make his blocks, but you just didn't see that uh physical presence that he had when he was younger. I think he lost a little bit of that. And then when you move to Andre James, who is 6'5", it's hard for him to get leverage. And, you know, when I talked to Mike Tice, uh, former Raiders offensive line coach um, in the offseason, you know, that's one of the things he pointed out was that Andre James just wasn't very physical. He, he didn't take a hard step downfield. He would kind of plot his feet. He couldn't get his, his pad level down. And, yeah, he would make his blocks, but, you know, he, he, he just didn't move guys off the, the pivot point. And, um, you know, with Parham, he's a little bit shorter. I think he just, he just has a little bit of more of a nasty mean streak. I think he's a little bit more explosive. He has heavier hands. And, you know, he didn't play a perfect game. You know, he did allow one pressure. I see a lot of fans are pointing out the one pressure he allowed that was pretty impactful. But, you know, if, if you're a rookie and you make one mistake, that's not too bad. 
But I mean, he he, he you know he wasn't perfect on all his one blocks either. But when, when you're looking at a young player, you want to see you know you want to see those high end type of plays. You want to see his ceiling. And when you see him play, he he makes a lot of really you know tough plays to make. He drives guys out of the hole. He he displaces guys like five six yards from uh, where you know where the the, the hole is going to be. He, he's really active in pass protection with his eyes. Uh, so he does a lot of things that are rare. And uh, you know when he gets more experience, he'll get better at cleaning up and being a little bit more consistent. Uh, but I really like what I've seen from uh, from him so far. Talking with Ted Wynn from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, and when it comes to, to Dylan, and when the Raiders drafted him in the third round, I'm not going to lie and act like he was a guy that was on my radar. He wasn't. I knew that they needed offensive linemen, but he wasn't one that I was focused in on. But obviously they were, so they went and selected him. And all he's done, Ted, so far is play all three of the interior positions. He's filled in at center in his second game. I mean, he's he's done a lot in a very a little bit amount of time. Uh, how, how high is the ceiling for, for Dylan Parham moving forward? Yeah, I mean, just it, it, it's early, so you know, I'm not saying he's going to reach the ceiling, but I, I really believe he has a Pro Bowl type of top five center type of, of ceiling because of again the high end plays that he flashed. Obviously, he has to make that you know for him to reach that level, he has to play like that on a majority of snaps, and I think he'll get there. But you know, I, I really the potential he has, I think, is, is, is very high. Ted, you mentioned his potential and you said the his ceiling at center, but do you think he's a better fit at guard or center for this Raiders team right now? Um, right, that, that's tough to say because that would have to depend on your assessment of of the two guards they have now, Lester Cotton and and uh, Simpson, um, and whether you think that he's a significant upgrade over any of those two and whether you think uh, Andre James is going to be fine at center. Um, so I, I think that really depends on eye beholder. I like leaving him at center because I think that's his best position, and I would rather just see him develop there and see you know, what you can get out of Simpson and, and Cotton uh, next to him. You know, I really think the interior, you know, they, they haven't been, uh, they're not perfect, but I think they've been a lot better than expected so far. You know, Ted, that sack that the Cardinals' J.J. Watt had on Derek Carr on Sunday, that looked like to me, the naked eye, just a terrible communication, uh, you know, on that interior part of that offensive line. How long do you think that these guys could continue to rotate uh, with seven, eight guys like they're working right now before they have to settle in on five just just for continuity's sake? You know, I, I, I really don't know because I've never seen anybody do anything like this. So I, I don't know what their mindset is. I don't know when, you know, what criteria they have for when they are, you know, are finally going to be settled on uh, on the starting five. Um, so, you know, I would hope it doesn't last more than four games. I mean, you know, obviously in an ideal world, this would have never, the rotation would never have to be a factor in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I, I would think after, you know, four or five games, you would have a pretty good idea of who these guys are. Talking right now with Ted Wynn from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Well, uh, they're traveling to Nashville on Sunday. Jeffrey Simmons is in the interior of that, uh, that Titans defensive line. How big of a challenge do you expect him to be for whoever's on the interior for the Raiders' offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I, to, to me, Simmons is probably the second-best interior defensive lineman uh, to, to Aaron Donald. So he, he's an absolute monster. They're going to have to slide their protection towards him. They're going to have to find, you know, creative ways to to make sure he doesn't take over the game because he absolutely has 
uh, the the ability to take over the game. Uh, so you know, we'll, we'll, I, it, he, he's going to be a danger. He's going to be a dangerous guy to play against, and um, he, he's going to be priority number one for the Raiders to to game plan against. Do you expect a lot of help as far as tight end help and and running back help? Just to just I mean, not even just with Simmons, but just in protection in general, so the Raiders' offense could have a an opportunity to try to execute. Yeah, I mean that's one of the tough things about um, a really good interior defensive lineman is it's help, it's hard to get help on them because mm-hmm. you know with edge players you could help with the tight end and running back chips, but uh, with the interior guys, the, the, you know one of the one of the only things you can really do is slide your center towards them, and you can't do that all the time because you know sometimes the defensive front might get into a front where they threaten to blitz on uh, one side and the center has to go to the other side, so there's ways for them. Uh, to single up uh, Simmons if they want to. Um, there, there's some quirky things you could do, like um, the, the Bills, when they played against the Rams, they had a tight end lineup right behind Aaron Donald uh, and chip him, which is an uh, unusual thing to do. But if you really you know, feel like it's necessary, then you know, you got to do what it takes. Yeah, no doubt about it. You got to be able to protect the quarterback. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, as far as Thayer Mumford, he was a seventh round pick out of Ohio State. He's gotten some burn so far in this rotation that they're doing. Uh, have you seen anything that stood out to you from Thayer? Um, no, you know, I, I'll say I would think Illuminor has uh, played better than him so far. I mean, Illuminor is a, a veteran. Uh, so I, I think with Munford, he, he's a guy that you would want to um, develop behind the scenes before you really throw him out there. But obviously, uh, the Raiders don't have that luxury right now. Uh, I think Illuminor is probably the better uh, right tackle going forward, and I, I think he'll ultimately be the guy that um, ends up starting there when they have their, their starting five solidified. We got a couple more questions about the Raiders, and then Demond wanted to ask you a, a couple questions that has to do with just the NFL in general. And I wanted to flip over to the defensive side of things. And a lot of folks have hit us up and asked us about Chandler Jones and where he's been. And one of the things that we heard after the Cardinal game was that they asked him. Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniel said they asked uh, Chandler Jones to 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 rush differently, where they were trying to create a pocket and kind of keep Kyler Murray in their sights. Uh, what have you thought of what you've seen from Chandler Jones through the first two games for the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, in game one, he uh, he was going against one of the best left tackles in the league in uh, Rashawn Slater, and he had a couple pressures against Justin Herbert. But Justin Herbert's just a really tough guy to bring down because he throws the ball so quick, and he's just able to slide away from pressure. And then in, in week two against the Cardinals, it was exactly what they said. I mean, uh, he 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 wasn't the primary rusher. They were trying to have Crosby go hard, and then have Chandler Jones be the guy. Who kind of cleans up after uh, a- after after uh, Crosby if he couldn't get the sack? So that was their game plan, and obviously he wasn't. You know, there were times where he was, wasn't rushing hard; he was just kind of keeping his outside shoulder free in, in case Murray uh, got outside. Uh, you know, obviously looking back at the game, he, he, I, I was hoping to get more a little more aggressive with blitzing Murray instead of just trying to contain him with four or three. Um, but you know the hindsight is uh, twenty twenty. But right. uh, I agree that you know week one I thought he was better than people thought, and week two it just wasn't his job to go after the um, the, the passer. So are you not as concerned as Raider Nation is with Chandler Jones and, and his lack of numbers right now? No, I'm not. Uh, you know I, I think um, once they just 
unleash him and, and let him go with the passer. I think we'll, we'll start seeing some of those numbers come in. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Ted's from The Athletic. My man DeMond's got one for you. You released a piece about the Lions and how good they've been in the run game, but what other teams around the league, I know it's only a small sample size, that have excited you about some of the concepts that they've been running? Uh, I think the Dolphins are a really exciting offense to watch with the way that uh, Mike McDaniel is using uh, Jalen Waddell and and Tyreek Hill and former Raider Alec Ingold, you know, he's a really underrated player, and um, he's used him to mess around with defenses with their personnel groupings. Um, you know, just using him, um, it's hard to explain on the radio, but there's times where let's put him out at uh, receiver and then put uh, Daniel Waddle into the slot, and then Waddle will end up getting matched up against a linebacker. Uh, so I really love watching what the Dolphins are doing and how they're creating mismatches with, um, you know, two of the fastest receivers in the NFL. And also for the Raiders, well, to bring it back to them, what do you think are some ways that the Raiders, after Devontae Adams only had two catches against the Cardinals, what do you think could be some ways that the Raiders' offense could free up Devontae Adams? You know, re-watching the game, um, there were times where Adams got open. There were times when he should have gotten the ball, you know, where the defense got a pressure, or uh, there was one big pass in overtime that Derek Carr missed him on. And I think that was a miscommunication. Derek Carr thought he was going to sit in the hole, and Adams kept on moving. Um, and, you know, the, the Cardinals were doing a uh, – they, they were trying to bracket him, trying to take him away from the game, take him away from, uh, from Carr. And, you know, one of the luxuries of playing in this offense is you don't have to force-speed Adams because you have Darren Waller, you have Hunter Renfro. Uh, but obviously you don't want a game where he gets the ball as little as he did against the Cardinals. Uh, but just re-watching that game, there were opportunities. It just didn't materialize, and I think uh, some of that has to do with just Carr and the receivers and you know, the team just learning its new system. They just don't look very comfortable in the system quite yet. No, no, they don't. You know, that's one of the biggest keys, and I think that they've got to turn this thing around and, and get on the same page sooner rather than later, or else they could be looking up at the AFC and the AFC West and saying, what just happened? So it will be interesting see if they can get on track against the Tennessee Titans, who so far don't look like a very good team either. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out on Sunday. Ted, great stuff as always, my man. Uh, what do you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? I just wrote a couple articles on the Athletic about you know the teams we talked about. I talked about the Miami Dol- uh, Dolphins offense. I talked about um, the, the Lions offense, who is just kind of this old school gap scheme offense that is just kind of perfect for this new world of light boxes and lighter bodies uh, on defense. So. Um, those pieces are up on Athletic now, so go check them out. There it is right there. Well, Ted, fantastic stuff as always, man. That was a great breakdown of Dylan Parham that I saw on Twitter that you put out uh, that wanted me to uh, reach out to you and get you on to explain it. So uh, thank you so much for your insight. Your film breakdown is fantastic, and we appreciate you being a guest on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me on. There he goes, Ted Wynn from The Athletic on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And, yeah, it really caught my attention when he did that breakdown of Dylan Parham. thought it was some really good stuff. So we definitely appreciate Ted. And any time that he gives us, uh, East Bay Raider Gray hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r I agree with Ted about Parham and, and his technique and strength. But on run plays against the Cardinals, number 90 on defense, consistently was beating him and getting in the backfield, forcing J.J. to make amazing cuts just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Parham will be good, and they need to find a position for him. Let him him grow. East Bay Raider Gray. 344 is the time. Come back. Close out hour number two of the show just that fast. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
on Raider Nation Radio. We'll get back to the phone lines and a salmon ass text line at 69187 keyword RR. We'll get that in a minute. I did want to go over the Raiders injury report for Thursday. It is out. There's a new addition to the to the actually there's a couple new additions to the Raiders side of things. Running back Josh Jacobs was not listed on Wednesday. He has an illness. Did not participate in practice today. Fullback Jakob Johnson was not listed on Wednesday. He was limited with a hamstring injury today. Who else did not participate? Uh, Neil Farrell Jr., shoulder. He was limited on Wednesday. He did not participate on Thursday. Hunter Renfro, dealing with a concussion, didn't participate. Same as Wednesday. Denzel Perryman, same thing. Ankle injury, didn't participate Wednesday or Thursday. Trayvon Merrick, hip injury, didn't participate Wednesday or Thursday. Chandler Jones, rest. Did not participate Wednesday, not listed on Thursday. So that's just Chandler Jones right there, so he should be good. Andre James, dealing with the concussion, didn't participate on Wednesday, was limited today. And Jermaine Illuminor, who was dealing with the hip injury, was limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. So that's the Raiders side of things when it comes to the injury report. Of course, we'll get another one coming up around this time on tomorrow. 702-365-9200. squad to the phone lines. Let's talk to our friend, Lil Dicky. What's up, Lil Dicky? Welcome to the show. Hey, what up, Q? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, brother. Cool, man. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to talk about a couple quick things. Um, on a personal side, I, I've been a Raider fan since about 1983, and this feels like when the Raiders hired Mike Shanahan. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I, and I know it's tough because I know you guys, you know, I don't, I've gone through this with Vinny before. I know you don't really quite actually work for the Raiders, but I feel like the media, man, really just kind of kind of pumped this regime up way too high. I don't feel like this is a fit, man, and I feel like we're already starting to hear about the locker room kind of just going against McDaniels, man. you got to admit, Q, that last year at the end of the year, I think most of the players were in favor of keeping Basasha and the stash, and the stash, or the stash, the staff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I feel like right now it's a complete turnover, man. And regardless of what it is, getting Devontae and getting Chandler Jones, I feel like it's it's a it's just it's an inevitable blow up here. Because if, if McDaniel's and Ziggler are staying, man, they're gonna want all their own people. It's inevitable. I, I just what do you think about that, man? I, I don't know if you go back that far with the Raiders, but I mean I'm talking like nineteen eighty five, eighty six when they hired Shanahan. Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> talented talented roster, but just Right. I got you. Hey, great call, man. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. And yeah, uh, I I remember that when they had Shanahan. I remember all those coaches, man. Every coach that they had between Shanahan and now, right? I mean, it's been a laundry list of them, but uh, you know, there was, and Darren Waller had said so that uh, the the majority of the locker room, they wanted to keep Rich Basaccia. There's no doubt about that. But once they talked to Coach McDaniels and Coach McDaniels gave them his vision for the team, they understood why the move was made. And the thing about it is, and this is where it's a slippery slope, and it's it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of the players that are in the locker room because, well, we're not the players and we're not in the locker room. But if you could put yourself into a situation that worked out really well for you, even though in your heart you probably knew it probably should have worked out really well for you, that's kind of what this situation was. So when Mark Davis is going into the offseason, and this is just me talking, this isn't him talking, but when he's going into the offseason, in my opinion, He's thinking about the long-term future of the team, not just the immediate emotional reaction. You know, like I say all the time, I used to sell Kirby vacuums. You know how I sold Kirby's? I got people emotionally invested in it, and then they'd buy. So it's not like I could 
I, it's not like I could, you know, show a vacuum off, ask you for two thousand dollars, and then say, "Hey, I'll call you in two weeks," and then you 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 buy it because nobody's ever going to buy it. You got to get it right then and there, right? That's an emotional decision. I think Mark Davis had to make sure he didn't make an emotional decision because he wants to make sure that this team has long term success, not just this year, but for many years. And so that's why he went in the direction he went with the regime that he went in with a, a plan in place that they're going to be able to provide that long-term success, if that makes sense. I totally understand where you're coming from, and you're absolutely right. The players in the locker room, they all wanted Basaccia. But I, and this is just me, and I said it when he got took over as interim head coach, I never thought that he was the head coach. I thought he was a really good coach. I thought he did great stuff and great work for the Raiders here in Vegas. I think if he comes to Vegas anytime, he should eat for free. He should be saluted. He should have a Rich Basaccia day. I mean, whatever you want to say, he did... He did great things, but sometimes when you're an interim, you're just that. You're just an interim, and then at some point, someone comes and replaces you. When my mentor in in Texas, David Smoke, when he got fired from the radio station, I took over as the program director, right? Thinking, hey, I'm going to slide into the position because I know the job and I can do it. Well, eight, nine months later, after doing a great job, keeping the station afloat during a pandemic where there's no sports, guess what? I didn't get fired, but I didn't get the job. They brought in some schlep rock that had already had the job and lost it because he wasn't very good, but it was someone that they were familiar with. So I ultimately said, okay, I'm going to go and make moves and I got to go somewhere else and be who I want to be. And now I'm here. So it's just, I mean, sometimes when you're the interim guy, that's just who you are. You're the interim guy. 354 is the time. Let's go out to Raider Fish in Berkeley real quick. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, oh man. You know, I had to wait. Because if I if I, if I called you right out of that game, you know, <laughs> you guys have the cursing the right. cursing rule and I all got you. stuff. Yep. But let me unload on you, baby, because wow, I don't have just one question. I don't have just one concern, unfortunately, and I think I speak on behalf of the nation. Number one, uh, do we need a psychiatrist? Are we uh going through some sort of uh multiple personality disorder right now? Because we didn't went from being, I mean, breaking the NFL record of winning walk-off game, a record. And now the coach says uh, we need to figure out how to win. Okay, that's number one. Okay, I, I think we need a psychiatrist. I'm concerned about our psychiatric health as a team. Number two, uh, how is Carr going to respond to what Stephen A. Smith said? Because that dude really said what the nation is thinking, man. If, if you guys aren't familiar, go go check out what's, uh, what what Stephen A. Smith. No, said. I heard it. I heard it. Now here's the situation, man. Carr, I love Carr. He's a nine year veteran. Yet my man comes up to the podium and all he says with every coach, I just want to do what coach says. I want to put the ball exactly where coach wants. Well, you know what? Nine years has earned you the right to say, hey, wait a minute, coach. This is what I know how to do. How about this is what I want to make happen. You need to bring what you know how to do, what you feel to the table. Quit being soft without a T, okay? We need you to be aggressive, not only on the field, but mentally. You earned that right nine years, baby. You need to go into the coach and say, hey, I understand this, I understand that, but what about the autonomy I have? So these are my concerns. I'm going to calm down because I'm about to blow a head gasket. <laughs> Go Raiders. 
Hey, great call, my man. Appreciate the passion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, one, when it comes to Stephen A. Smith, I don't think that Derek Carr is listening to anything Stephen A. has to say. And that's not me trying to be disrespectful. Uh, I, I just don't think that. And you can't. Hell, Derek Carr can't listen to what I have to say, right? I mean, if I say something, he's got to let that. He, he can't worry about what anybody has to say. He's got to go out there and he's got to do what he's supposed to do, uh, whether it's follow exactly what Josh McDaniels wants him to do or, like you said, go off script and do do him because he knows how. That's That's his that's his thing. That ain't my thing. That's his thing, right? We all, you know, we all have gone off script a few times. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So that's his thing. But I don't think he's listening to what anyone on the outside is really listening to or talking about, especially guys like Stephen A. Smith. I don't, I don't think he's worried about that. Uh, that's like listening to Skip Bayless. You know, it's just who does that? So, I, hell, Skip Bayless don't even believe. Hell, half the time Stephen A. don't believe what he says. I mean, to be honest... And I only know that because from experience. <laughs> That's the only reason I know that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, when, when he and Gruden got together, go back and look at the first four games. It's documented. It wasn't very good. The first game he, he had under John Gruden's watch, he threw three interceptions. First game he had under Josh McDaniel's watch, threw three interceptions. Second game under John Gruden's loss, uh, watch, had a 13-point lead at halftime. Lost. Second game under Josh McDaniel's watch, had a 20-point lead at halftime. Lost. Now, it's not all on the quarterback. It's a team sport. We know that. But maybe it's not knowing the knowing what he's supposed to be doing yet. Maybe he's not comfortable. Maybe he should have played in the preseason. 358 is the time. We'll come back. Kick off hour number three. A guy who knows a lot about the preseason and thinks that the team should have been playing is Lincoln Kennedy. He'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.